Now this month, I am preaching on how God is Lord over material things. And He is Lord over our relationship to the material world. And last week, I talked about God's ownership of the planet and everything in it, based on Psalm 24. The earth is Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So that's God's statement in, in Psalm 24 of his ownership of the world and everything in it. And today, I want us to visit two passages of Scripture and talk about how we make money according to the Scripture and the rhythm that God has built into his world. And the first text I want to read is a very important text for you to remember, particularly as you hear prophecies of the end of the world and the end of the natural cycles. This is Genesis 8, verse 22, and you can read more of its context later on if you want to, but in Genesis 8, verse 22, God says to Moses and his family, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. And I would suggest to you that that verse is very important for your planning of your life. It is a theological proposition, a biblical promise that you need to live by. And if you do, God will bless you. As long as the earth endures, summer and winter, cold and heat, day and night will never cease. Now flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to read you a remarkable passage from the Apostle Paul. A lot of 2 Corinthians is about the gift that he is receiving for the poor saints in Jerusalem and how they ought to relate to that offering. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6, the Apostle says this, Remember this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Somebody needs to make a song out of that verse. It's got poetic rhythm to it. Verse 9 says, As it is written, He has scattered abroad His gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed 
and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Did you know that was in the Bible? That's in the Bible. That's the Apostle Paul talking to you, talking to me about money, making money, and giving money. Now, both of these passages mention sowing and reaping. You know, there is a rhythm to the earth. That's why the farmer's almanac works. It's been published since 1818 here in these United States. Its values are simplicity and a return to the earth. And farmers have, for these long years, planted their crops and the kind of crop they selected, often based on the farmer's almanac. The almanac itself claims that 80% of its predictions in North America are true. And it divides the country into zones. And so if you're in the southern zone or the western zone, you have a prediction about when you should plant your potatoes, when you are likely to harvest them, what kind of crops will do best in the environment they're expecting. And there is dispute and has been for a long time about how accurate the farmer's almanac is. So I'm not coming to you as an apostle of the almanac, all right? But what I will say to you is the existence of the almanac makes a point. And the point is this. There is rhythm in the way the earth works. Well, even I, after my brief sojourn on the planet, can predict some things to you that are very likely to be true. It's going to be hotter in July than it will be in December. Right? We know that. And it illustrates the simple truth that there is a rhythm to the earth. In other words, God put a rhythm in this earth. God did. Paul says, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The scripture says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And the light he called day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. God created time. God created seasons. The scripture says that he put the sun and the moon and the stars in their orbit for days and years and seasons of the earth. The sun and the moon have an effect upon what happens here. It's temperature, the moisture on the earth. God created all of the subsystems and cycles that are part of this universe, from the rotation of the stars to the rotation of galaxies 
and even the rotation in our solar system. And if you look at it, you will see that it is symmetrical. And symmetry put in motion is rhythm in the world. These rhythms and systems and cycles continue right down to the very smallest expressions of life on the planet. There are paths in the seas. There are currents in the atmosphere. Sowing and reaping is an expression of all that God has made, which is cyclical in nature and rhythmic in its expression. This is God creating the heavens and the earth and this planet we call home. God intends for us to notice the rhythm that he's created in his world and he intends for us to count on that rhythm as long as the earth endures he says the rhythm will continue stability and dependability in other words are built into God's creation Noah is standing after the great flood, he and his family, and they're looking at the devastation in the world, and I'm sure they're asking the question, should we bring any more children into a world like this? So God finds it necessary to say to Noah and his family after the great devastation, be fruitful and multiply. He gives the same command to them that he gave to Adam and Eve back at the beginning. Why? Because people get fearful about bringing children into the world. And Noah is being told by his God, you can go ahead and have a family, Noah. Because the seasons are going to continue. And day and night is going to continue. And summer and winter. And it will not cease as long as the earth endures. And that's a promise for you as well. You can count on this rhythm that is in the planet in the cycles and the universe God has made and if you're hanging back thinking oh how could anybody ever bring a family into this kind of world how can people have children with a world this messed up just know this the world was messed up in Noah's day and God said you go ahead and have a family you have confidence in the future Noah you can depend on it there's a stability to the world that you need to embrace to enjoy your sojourn here. That you need to say, say thank you, God, and live out your life. Order your life based on this great promise. Buy a combine. It costs $200,000. Run it through the wheat fields. Spend your savings buying the seed. Plant it in the ground. Spend your money on fertilizer. Invest in the earth. And if you do, over the cycle of God's sufficiency, He will care for you. And He will even build your wealth as you depend on the rhythm of the earth and the world that He has made. This is a picture of an actual combine owned by my brother-in-law. He and his two brothers now farm 10,000 acres. A few years ago, they created 2 million pounds of corn. Sometimes they lose their harvest. But overall, he is raising his family. He is caring for his children. They are enjoying the bounty of the earth. 
just like you, whether you're a farmer or an engineer or a teacher or a doctor or whatever you're doing on the planet, when God saw the world that he had made and how he had designed it and the rhythms and the seasons and the days and summer and winter, he said, Behold, it is very good. It's very good the way I made this world. It works. It worked back then, and it still works today. And you maximize productivity in this world by working the rhythms that God put into it. You do. You work the rhythms. You sow sparingly. You reap sparingly. You sow generously. You reap generously. It's up to you to work the rhythm. In other words, you participate. The earth does not automatically produce for you the stuff that you need. God has designed it so you must plug in to the cycles. You got to get involved. You got to work the rhythm in your own life. And Paul, surprisingly, adds this wonderful note to the whole process of sowing and reaping and the natural cycles of life. And he says, it's the same with generosity. Generosity is part of the rhythm of the planet. It's part of the nature of God. It's why you're alive in the world. It's the gift God has given to you, and generosity expresses the character of God. So he begins, as he talks to the folks about their stewardship of material goods, by saying, you know about sowing and reaping, you know about summer and winter, do you know about generosity? Do you know about how giving is sowing? And it brings a harvest. God's created the world so that the cycle of his sufficiency works in your life, in your finances, in your family. Now, in order to enjoy the cycle of God's sufficiency, there are some things that you must have in your character. He has designed things so that your character, your inner strengths and weaknesses are reflected in how you treat the earth and how it treats you. God's designed the earth so that your inner character, the strengths and weaknesses that you have spiritually inside yourself, are reflected in how the earth treats you and how you treat the earth. Let me illustrate. The Bible calls us to be people of faith. I have a book in my study. You know what its title is? The End of Faith. In it, the author postulates that there's not going to be faith anymore on the planet. We're all just going to put things in test tubes. And science is going to completely take over every aspect of life, and we'll just do mathematical equations from now on. He says it's the end of faith. 
I have another book published at the same time almost. And it's called The Future of Faith. And in it, this social commentator and theological uh, professor says there is a wonderful future to faith in our world. I want to suggest to you that you cannot even operate productively on the planet without walking in faith. In Ecclesiastes, the author says, One who watches the wind will not sow. And the one who looks at the clouds will not reap. You must trust in the God who has created everything and put it into motion. As you sow your seed in the soil. And you send your combines into the field for a crop. Faith, in other words, is part of how you participate in the rhythm and God's cycle of sufficiency. It takes faith to plant. It is an act of faith. Now, I always plant every spring. Do you? I mean, I literally plant. I've got 24 tomato plants. All right? I've got pepper plants. I've got okra I've got uh, cucumbers growing in my backyard. I turned the flower bed into a vegetable garden, all right? And I love to watch it. You know, I got 15 little green tomatoes out in my backyard already. It's amazing. And I can't understand it. I don't know how seeds turn into plants. It astonishes me just to think about putting a watermelon seed in the ground. They say that when that seed germinates throughout its life cycle, it will pull through its body 200,000 times its weight in moisture and nutrition. That seed will do it. God designed it that way. It takes faith. Though the hail sometimes gets the crop, though the winds may blow, yes, that happens sometimes in the earth. And sometimes we get so battered by the economy and so troubled by the way things are and worried about we're going to lose everything that we stop planting. We stop sowing. And there's one thing for sure in this world. If you don't sow, you're not going to reap. That's for sure. And usually the abundance of your harvest is related to the generosity of your sowing. Generosity is an expression of faith. God has given to you. You are trying to accumulate the seed corn for next year's crop. But somebody has a need. So you take some of that seed corn and you pass it on to somebody in need. And it feels counterintuitive to give away what you saved up. It feels counterintuitive. But God says, part of faith is generosity. That also is you participating in the rhythm of the earth that a very generous God has set in motion.
discipline is part of what God has built into the planet. He has made the earth so that we produce based on our discipline. The earth itself is governed by natural laws. You must respond with hard work, frugality, punctuality, diligence, and patience. These things are required if you are to maximize the cycle of sufficiency that God has set in motion. Somebody's going to come to you, and they're going to say to you, i got a get-rich-quick scheme. And if you'll just give me all that you've laid up for next year's planting season, I'll get you rich in six months. And I want to tell you now, there are some 17-year-olds in the world who create little things that end up making them worth $30 million. That happened last week when a 17-year-old sold his company to Yahoo. That is not how things normally work in the world. People like you and me who go to work every day and plow our gifts and our time and our resources and our money into the processes that we trust. We build our wealth gradually. And over time, it takes patience. It takes getting up in the morning and going to work. It takes doing sometimes what you don't really want to do, but you do it anyway. It takes frugality. Not blowing everything on yourself. You've got to save back some stuff for the planting season that's coming next spring. Those qualities of character maximize your participation in the natural rhythm of the earth that God has made. All the systems that we have, our economic systems and financial systems, all of them are built upon the natural systems God has made. Why do you pay your taxes April 15th? It's because according to the sun and the moon, the winter solstice is somewhere around December 21st. And they carved up the calendar so the calendar year ends in the middle of winter. And the year begins and it starts to warm up. And it's planting season. All the rhythms that we have, even in our national economies, are ultimately built on The promise God made in Genesis chapter 8. The regularity of the seasons and the rhythm of the world. Generosity is an expression of discipline. There are people sitting here right now, and I've been there many times myself, who see somebody in need, who know that they have an opportunity to help. But they have lived such undisciplined lives financially. They are so strapped with debt. Everything is already spent before it is ever made. They cannot help. They want to be generous. But they've been too generous to themselves. Or others. And in the undisciplined life, they have given up the opportunity to intervene when somebody's in need. Paul says, let him who stole steal no more. Instead, let him work with his hands. Why? 
So he will have something to give to those in need. Say, you want to be that person, and you know you ought to be. You want to be able to be generous when times are tough for others and they need your support. And the generosity that you want in your heart is built on the discipline that you exercise in frugality and punctuality and hard work and diligence and patience. And exercising those, you build your wealth so that when there is a need, you can help. Generosity is part of faith. It is part of discipline. It is part of love. What's a world without love? What's money without love? What's the stuff if you're hugging your cold cash all by yourself at night and it's all that you've got? When it comes right down to it, we know we need more than material things. Most of all, we treasure relationships with others. We have sustaining relationships that make it worth our while to get up in the morning and go to work. What are you doing getting up so early? I'm providing for my family. I'm taking care of my children. Those sustaining relationships make life worth living. We need cooperating relationships as we do our work. We don't labor all by ourselves. And part of the discipline of love is involving people who trust us in the process of our work. Somebody said that love ought to be a feature part of the work of a CEO and the culture of a company. That they really care for the people around them because caring relationships sustain the rhythm of the earth. Generosity is an expression of love. So Paul the Apostle says, there's sowing and reaping going on in the world, and you want to participate in this natural cycle of things. And part of what that means is you being generous Poor qualities of character will undermine your productivity. Sometimes I feel like this little girl that I took a picture of at a birthday party. She's sitting in front of all kinds of cake and cookies and punch. There are people squealing and all kinds of delight going on and I didn't know I'd caught her looking like this till I looked back through the pictures and there I saw her. Now sometimes everybody feels like this. But I, I tell you, if you go through life feeling like this, you miss the opportunities that are before you to maximize what God is opening up for you, what He wants to do in your life. So love and joy and peace these things are part of participating in the cycle of God's sufficiency. Jesus warned, be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation 
drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day, that day of accounting, that day of reckoning, will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Fear is the opposite of faith. The anxieties of life can do you in. Sometimes you just want to pull into a fetal position and stay that way. You're afraid to plant your seed. You're afraid to get into the field. You're afraid a hailstorm or flood will ruin you. If you do not trust the cycle, you may eat the seed corn you need for the next planting. You cannot take advantage of God's cycle of sufficiency if you have no seed to plant. You cannot be paralyzed by fear. Fear is not your friend. It is your enemy. It is the opposite of faith. You pull back into that fearful ball and you think you are protected. But life and its opportunities are passing you by while you are paralyzed and indecisive. Slothfulness is the opposite of discipline. We do not maximize the cycle of God's sufficiency when we're just laid out doing nothing. You got to work while it is day. There's a time coming when no man can work. But while you work, you do. You labor, you get up, you go to work, you, you put in the discipline, you put in the hours. Now, sometimes everybody needs to be a couch potato, and that's okay. All right? Sometimes you need to just check out. I understand that. But you can't live like this. Not and participate fully in what God's doing in His world. The work of God is spelled W-O-R-K. <laughs> it's just like all the other work that you do. And together we participate not only in the work that sustains us and in our vocation, but the work that ministers to a world in need. Nobody wants to be overworked. Nobody wants to be a workaholic. But everybody needs to get up and do what is their assignment to do. Paul says in one place, if a man doesn't work, what? He shouldn't eat. If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. If he's able-bodied and able to work, he ought to get up in the morning and go to work. Or work at night, whatever. We now work 24 hours a day. But whatever it is, it is participating in the cycle of God's sufficiency. Lovelessness, I guess, is the most debilitating of all the things that can affect us. You can be successful in accumulating material goods without love, but you cannot be said to have lived successfully without love. If you fail to care for others, the world is a dismal place. Generosity is part of what God is producing in your life. We have a story on the front of our worship guide of one of the men in our church who is now our chairman of deacons and how he started out giving $3 a week to God as an adult. And God moved on his heart 
to do something else. It was God that spoke to him. The scripture says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also enlarge and increase your store of seed. You will be made rich in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. God supplies the seed. Well, you know that. You can't make a seed, can you? You put that seed in the ground, and it's an astonishing thing how it grows. So we say, yeah, God made the seed. But this scripture also says God supplies the seed for sowing, and he supplies bread for food. Wait a minute, God. Wait just a minute, God. You made the seed. I made the bread. And in a way, you did. And when you say, I'm a self-made man, I produced all this, I went in there and did it, it's like that loaf of bread. You're saying, I made the bread. But the scripture says, God supplies not only the seed, but also the bread. And Jesus teaches you to pray like this, Father, give us this day our daily bread. Hey, didn't God know we make our own bread? Didn't God know you'd have so much money you don't have to worry about bread anymore? You can buy a hundred loaves as you leave today? What's this prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. What's that about? It's a reminder from God that everything we have, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And everything we do, created by the hands that he made and the eyes that we use, the intellect that we have, it's all a gift from God. The bread, too, is his. So every slice of bread is bracketed with give us this day our daily bread and then like Jesus we take the bread and we give thanks this is how life works this is you operating in faith in the natural cycle he has made saying Lord today I need my bread and when it is supplied saying Lord thank you it's a wonderful rhythm of spiritual life for you petitioning God for the basics of life and thanking him as he supplies them. I knew an old man who was getting way up in years and he said, every morning for many years now, I've said a prayer as I've rolled out of bed and I put my feet on the ground. And I said, thank you, Lord, for this day you have given me and for him, after years of living on the planet, every day was a precious gift. And it will be to you if you live long enough. God's generosity in giving you the day will get stronger and stronger in your heart. Maybe you, like the prodigal son, took your inheritance and spent it all in a way that your father wouldn't have blessed or been pleased with. But you got a father in heaven whose heart is so generous 
that even when his sons spend it all in wild living and poor decisions, he's still waiting at the door for them to come home. The story of the prodigal son is the truth that there are no dead ends in God's generosity toward you. That his grace is sufficient even when you've messed up. And he invites you back into the cycle of, of his sufficiency even today. Bow with me, please. Lord, do your work in us, we pray. God, fill us with faith. Fill us with discipline. Fill us with love. Lord, help us to be wise in our dealings with the stuff you have made and with the others around us. Lord, help us live in generosity. May this moment, even this moment, be under your sovereign care in every heart. Amen.